Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here on Warriors 24 with my partner in crime, Cyrus Satchist. And we are delighted to have joining us from the San Francisco Chronicle. He follows our Golden State Warriors. Connor Letourneau is joining us. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a while. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, I know it's uh, it's well, I mean, you know, the season's over um, and I just like to go and get your assessment because you're the one that's there on a daily basis, watching them, seeing the development, watch what happened with the various players, injuries and such. So let, let's hear your evaluation of this season and then we can discuss that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of positive takeaways from this season, but it doesn't overshadow the fact that Steph had an MVP caliber season and Draymond played at a defensive player of the year level and they still missed the playoffs. So to me, it's a, it's a disappointing season just from that perspective. And when you have those two guys playing at that level, you need to make the playoffs. I mean, they deserve it. You owe it to them. Um, so it's disappointing. But when you want to look at it from a more macro perspective, I do think that they're well positioned to at least have a chance at contention next season. A lot of it's going to depend on what decisions Bob Myers makes this offseason. I think this is his most critical offseason of his general manager tenure with the Warriors, but they at least have a shot. So you got to feel good about that. Um, you know, a lot of the big reason for that is the development of Juan Descano Anderson coming out of nowhere. Uh, Jordan Poole proving he can be a legitimate piece of this bench going forward. Uh, Andrew Wiggins obviously proving that he can be a two-way force at times. Um, so a lot to, a lot of positives, but I'm still, I'm still taking the L on this one. I'm still chalking it up as a little bit of a loss just because they needed to make the playoffs and they didn't. All right. Time to take a quick break to talk about our official sponsor bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up and be a playoffs are here. I've been having fun with it. I love betting on my NBA playoffs. And all you got to do is go to betonline.ag if you want to join in on the fun. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. I chalk it up as a as a huge loss, in my opinion. And and Connor, at some point when Rick and I are doing this, I'm going to go off on my own personal opinions because, in theory, they they should have made the playoffs because they finished with the eighth seed. Um, and if, and I don't know if you two agree with me that I feel like they just gave it their all in that Lakers game, and when that came short, they just I mean they still took a great Memphis team to overtime. I mean this. This Warriors team clearly has talent on it, and you know Rick has proposed a new award called the Most Outstanding Player Award, which Steph would easily win if that award existed. I still think, and we could debate this, that Steph should be MVP, uh, not Jokic. But um, as a Warriors insider, as someone who's been a reporter for this team covering them for a long time, uh, one of the big issues, and I don't know how often you pay attention to Warriors Twitter, it's definitely the most debated issue right now on Twitter, is Kelly Oubre Jr., 
and what they should be doing with him next year. And I keep trying to explain to people that as my personal opinion is you should never lose assets and get nothing in return. And the problem with Kelly Oubre Jr. is that he essentially was what they got in return for Andre Iguodala. They traded Iguodala, got a trade exemption. They used that trade exemption to get Oubre. If Oubre walks away for nothing, the Warriors are fucked, part of my French, just in the sense that they can't replace that $15 million a year player with another $15 million a year player because of salary cap restrictions. So if you just let him go... You're not going to replace him with another player of a similar salary. You're going to have to replace him with three or four players on a vet minimum. Uh, you have to use the mid-level exception. Can you can you can you first, I guess, confirm what I've been saying all along about Kelly Oubre Jr. and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this? And what are your opinions of what they should do with Kelly? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, the bottom line is he was not a great fit for the Warriors this season. I know his final numbers look decent. Um, but if you look at his plus minus and the deeper analytics and things like that, they weren't better when he was on the floor. They were actually better when Kim Bazemore was on the floor uh, because he did the little things that you need to do to compliment Steph and Draymond. And he served winning much better than than Kelly Oubre did. So he wasn't a great fit, I think, both on the court and off the court at times. I mean, I'm not going to say there were major issues with him off the court, but I don't think he's an amazing cultural fit for what they're what they're about. And so, um, could you expand on that? Can you expand on that? Like, what do you what What does that mean more specific? Like, did the players just, not like I mean, him? Was he's not? My understanding is he's just not a huge part of the ethos of the team. He's a little bit of a loner. Not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not criticizing him or anything, but he's not right. Not like the super about it guy. You know, he's not um, as invested maybe in in terms of the locker room dynamics as maybe some other role players are. And, and it, this isn't a criticism. It's just he's not. He's a little different. Um, and but the bigger thing is obviously the basketball and he is I don't think he fits exactly what they're trying to do but like you said he is an asset and they're in a position because they are so deep in the luxury tax where they don't have another way to add a player of his caliber in free agency and so one big thing facing Bob Myers this this summer is how do you get something for Kelly they they try to do it at the trade deadline um, they weren't, they didn't feel like the market value for him was great. I think we're, I think you're going to see this summer that maybe the market value isn't as good as a lot of people assume people are talking about 15 to 20 million. I would be shocked if he got 15 to 20 million. I think it's going to be closer to 10, maybe even less. Um, and so, uh, I think Bob would love to work out a sign and trade. Uh, it's going to be complicated. But if you could at least get a trade exception for him, a massive trade exception, that would be a huge uh, asset going forward. Or maybe you can get another guy who's like a proven rotation player. It doesn't have to be someone who's as talented as as Kelly Oubre, but just someone who can help and fit this win now window. Well, hey, sorry. Oh, sorry. Let me interject here because you're saying his stats, his stats were not impressive. I mean, he got off to such a horrendous start, obviously right. put himself in such a deep hole. But even with that, he, he came out of it. But I, I don't know if you're aware of the fact that everybody talked about the plus minus on the floor. Do you know that in every year of his career, he's a minus? I did know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, wow. I, every, year, every year of his career. I mean, once in a while, you got to get lucky sometimes to be on a team somewhere. Maybe when you're on the court, the team plays a little bit better. But, I mean, it's not very impressive when you take a look at it and you start looking at the statistical thing. And I'm not a big one for total stats. 
but his free throw percentage, 69.5%. I mean, come on. I mean, you're making that kind of money and you're shooting under 70% from the free throw line. I don't care how bad your other shooting was. You shouldn't be a bum at the free throw line. Okay. And then the only statistic that I think that was impressive for him was that six rebounds a game. You know, that's a nice number for somebody his size playing that position. But I mean, 44% from the field, that's, that's nothing to write home about. 31 from, from threes, I mean, that's just barely above the bare minimum for me. If I'm coaching, you can't shoot 30% and you take a three-point shot unless the, and the clock's not running now, you're going to be sitting next to me on the bench. Yeah. Mean, seriously. Yeah. I, I guess I mean, when I was talking about stats earlier, I just meant the fact that he's averaging close to 16 points per game. The average fan who's casually looking at the numbers will think he had a decent season. But you're right. He really didn't have that good of a season. And um, I'm not sure he's a plus player in this league, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think he's as good defensively as a lot of people say he is. He's in the wrong place. Oh, really? Floor a lot of the time. Um, and how many times did he run into Steph offensively? Like he got in Steph's way a lot this season because he didn't have a great understanding of that, those motion principles. And that's, that's a major issue when you're talking about complementary pieces in the system the big thing you need is you need guys who have a strong feel for the game, good court vision, good understanding of how to play. That's why Juan Descano Anderson was so good for this team this season. Yes. He's not elite in certain ways, but he sees the floor super well. And he was the exact type of role player they need. And that's why Bazemore was more helpful this season than, than Kelly Oubre, even though he averaged less than half as many points. So I completely agree with you, Rick. And I think, I think that, uh, Teams that are going to pay him maybe close to $15 million a year are probably teams that aren't being run the best, you know, who don't have a great <laughs> understanding of like what winning basketball is. Yeah. I'm, no, well, I mean, I mean that, that, but he's making 15 now. So he clearly, right. I mean, he's shown that he can score to a certain extent. Again, his average is 16. I guess I just look at him in a different way from you two in the sense that I look at him similar to how the Warriors saw Iguodala when they first acquired him. I mean, the numbers between those two are not that different. Um, and I guess if I look at Ubre and Connor, I know you said you think he's overrated defensively. I still think he's a 6'8 athletic tough body out there who on a second unit could be very valuable or at a minimum give him the four-year 60 million dollar contract that would probably be enough to resign him and then halfway through the season if it's still not working out and if he's not a fit trade him at that point you know i mean he will be an asset for certain teams like i i know a team like the trailblazers would love him i know the lakers would probably love him because they don't need extra offense they need that workhorse who comes off the bench although he doesn't want to come off the bench but tough shit, Kelly. You're going to have to accept some things in the league. Uh, but I just don't like the idea of losing him for nothing, you know? And, and Iguodala, and, and I guess him and Iguodala, I just, I see a lot of similarities. Ubre is not a horrible ball handler. Um, what you said about him being an outsider is disturbing, though. Are you saying he was kind of like like Durant was, like his final year, where he was just kind of distant? I, I wouldn't say it was distant? that bad. No, it wasn't Okay. <laughs> okay. But how does, how does Steph Curry and Drake... I don't want to overstate that. I don't want to overstate that. He's not, there aren't any major character concerns. It's just, he's not, he's not, you know, the, the typical guy that you think of as a complimentary piece in terms of uh, being that rah, rah guy. And you know what? Andrew right. Wiggins isn't either, but Andrew Wiggins, no. I think really in his own way has fit the ethos of this team. I just don't think that Kelly has endeared himself uh, into the fabric of this team, the way that even someone like Wiggins has. Yeah. I, so, it, so, uh, what about some of the other, who do you like? I know you said Baysmore you like, who, who else do you like on this team that you think 
will be an asset uh, for them certainly next year. And because again, I don't, you know, I don't get to see every game and get to follow right. them as closely. I get to watch them, you know, when I can, because I, I, you know, I love watching Steph. It's probably why I watch because I love watching Steph play. Yeah. I, I've never seen a player. I don't know if I've seen a player have as much fun out in the court playing and enjoying himself as much as Steph does. Right. And, and while I'm on the subject, I may as well bring it up because Cyrus brought it up. Cyrus, there's no way he's the most valuable player. His team didn't even make the freaking playoffs. He would have been the most <laughs> outstanding player. That's why I'm staying yeah. after the two boards. What he did was remarkable and most outstanding player, most valuable for certainly for a team doing what they did. I mean, the Joker has been pretty phenomenal what he's done. So anyway, Rick, I'll you rest were in the league when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won the MVP, right? When Thank you. He finished below 500. <laughs> but when but what? it's changed. The MVP, I think, has evolved since then, right? I'd like yeah, but I'm saying, but it's, it should be, it still should be, it still should be the most outstanding player. The most valuable player is usually is a guy that's that is a hell of a player, but it's a guy that helps make his teammates better and takes his team to a level that they wouldn't be without him. And I, you know, I mean, certainly Steph does that too. I mean, Steph could, you know, certainly be in consideration for both awards. No question about that, but there's usually a difference between the most out. Some guys just have an amazing year mm-hmm. and that's the guy that gets the most outstanding player award. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think this year, you know, certainly Steph in consideration for MVP, but without doubt, in my mind, I mean, my God, the role he went on with was insane. I mean, he was yeah. playing so just amazing basketball. And so, uh, anyway, and I love both of them. I love watching the Joker play. I mean, I watched yeah, yeah. Playing, you know, last night and doing stuff. I mean, they came out after screwing around and blowing an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter to Portland and losing that first game. They came out and took care of business, and, and he was the major factor in that game. It'd be one thing if there wasn't a deserving candidate, but I think we can all agree that Jokic is a deserving candidate and uh i think i think steph is probably going to finish second which is a huge coup given where the warriors finished and given where he was you know just two months ago in this conversation he wasn't even really in the conversation two months ago and the fact that he's probably going to finish second is an enormous feat in in and of itself yeah but here's the thing they should have this this is i don't understand i sometimes my mind just goes like i feel like i'm in a frying pan I mean, seriously, you're like, you know, on drugs, you know, in your head, you're, you're doing, remember that old, they used to have a campaign about that because the NBA was known for one thing as far as a professional league, their marketing, correct? They finally marketed a great product and they were awesome at what they did. How in the world do you have a most valuable player award when you don't have a league with a balanced schedule? There should be an MVP and a most outstanding player for the Eastern Conference and one for the Western Conference. And from a business standpoint, that gives you three more sponsors to get money from, to have three more awards to be given out. Why in the hell would you not be doing that? Hey, this is not something that's new. I've been talking about this for decades and I may as well be talking to the wall. I've talked to David Stern, God rest his soul, about it. I've talked to Adam. I've talked to the NBA till I'm blue in the face. They don't listen. For a, a, an organization that's supposed to be one of the greatest marketing organizations in sports history, they have missed the boat on this. Yeah. If the audio was working, you would hear uh, she drives me crazy right now, but it's not working. I was so hearing right. it. Drives me I was crazy. hearing it. Oh, you were? Oh, good. Okay. Oh, yeah, I heard it. I heard it. That drives it. Does. I heard it drives it. me crazy because it makes no business or logical sense to not have those awards from not only for rewarding guys for their performances, but from a business standpoint. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, 
to answer your your other question about who I think uh, I was most impressed by this season, who I think belongs in the future plans of this team, I think there's seven guys from this year's roster who 100% deserve a spot in the Warriors' uh, future plans and definitely on next season's roster. And those are obviously the core guys, uh, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, Kavon Looney, those five. And then I would throw – Jordan Poole and Juan Descano Anderson into that mix as well. Um, and those guys to me have both proven that they can be not just helpful players, but key rotation players on, on winning teams. Um, top eight rotation caliber guys, which, which is saying a lot given where both of those guys were just a few months ago, but I really believe that. And then outside of that, um, there's a lot of question marks, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what the Warriors decide to do with the, the taxpayer mid-level and in free agency and with the draft picks. Um, but someone like Kent Bazemore, I think if you can bring him back on a minimum, um, you should strongly consider that. Um, given, Agreed. Yes. Depending on what the rest of your roster is looking like. Uh, and then there's a, there's, there's a few question marks like Michael Mulder to me showed that he's an NBA player. Um but I don't feel like you have to have him on the roster next season. Yeah, so if you did. It would it wouldn't be a bad thing. You know what I mean? Eric Pascal, he's a, he's on a guaranteed contract next season, so he'll probably be around. But it's a huge question mark of what his role will be, or if, if he even warrants meaningful minutes at this point. He just he didn't he wasn't effective in any role other than a small ball five. And I'm not sure you're going to have a lot of line, lineup combinations next season that are going to make sense sense to play him in that role. And then you got guys like Nico Mannion, uh, Alan Smiley. Alan Smiley gets will get cut. Uh, oh, you're gone. He's gone. Yeah, he's, he's so gone. gone. He's yeah, not an NBA on. player. Um, no, he's not. Nico I mean, Mannion. I mean, you could give him another two way, but that it's not super important. Um, Jordan Bell uh, is probably done with the Warriors, but probably. you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see the role guys that they bring in because th- those are going to be important decisions, like what you do with that mid level and those minimum contracts, like. Someone like Wayne Ellington, I think, could provide a lot of value to this team. Um, maybe someone like Kelly Olynyk as a floor spacing big. Um, you know, Bob Myers said yesterday he wants a floor spacing big and he wants another playmaker. And I think someone like Patty Mills could fill that playmaking role. Yes, I mean, you have Kelly Olynyk in that in that floor spacing big role. Um, Connor, Connor, I don't mean sorry, sorry to cut you off here real quick, but I, ha- I have to ask this. You know, uh, there were reports out that uh, Stephen Curry and Draymond Green had conversations with Bob Myers and and Steve Kerr regarding being involved in personnel decisions. Do you think they want Kelly Oubre back? Because I think that's a huge factor. Like, if Steph and Draymond came in and said we like him, we want him back. Like, do you think they are vouching for Kelly? I don't think that they're vouching for him on a personal level like that, but I think they're, I think they see the bigger picture and they're like, he's an asset. He's talented. Um, Plan A, like we talked about, I think should be sign and trade, but if they can't do that, I would, I would prefer to have him than not have him as a, as a, as a trade chip, um, as a potential option off the bench. Um, I, he's said openly that he doesn't see himself as a bench player. So I know I, I know that yeah. Well, I always say to that, fine. If, if that's really going to be a, a hangup, put Wiggins on the bench. Bring him off. Bring Wiggins off the bench as a sixth yeah, man. Yeah, but you don't. I don't think you should mess with, make major decisions like that just to massage someone like Kelly Oubre's ego. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I mean, they're better with Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup. So Andrew Wiggins deserves to stay, in the starting lineup. 
Are they though? I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, I I, I don't I don't think anything should that, be said. That wasn't Wiggins' fault. That wasn't Wiggins' fault. He Except was one of their most consistent players this season. That Wiggins three at the end of the Grizzlies game. Don't forget that 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 stuff like that sticks in my mind. As as much as he's improved, and I do think he's a fit on this team. He's not a guy you can rely on at the end of games. That three was like playoff P style in terms of how atrocious it was. He won't, I don't think even, he won't be relied on, but that's that's an example of how getting Clayback's going to help. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but but that's but my point is you could still put Wiggins in. He would have the ball. Yeah, but you can still put Wiggins in at the end of the game. I mean, I, I just, I just, I just think you don't, you don't let Ubre go. And if it's if it, the hangup is him and his agent are in a room saying, "I want to be a starter," say, "Fine, you're a starter." And then once he's under contract, who gives a shit what he thinks? If he, no, if I, they, think, team... I think they just overpay him. Is what they do. They yes, say, well, you're yes. not going to start, but we're going to overpay you. We're going to pay yes. you five million more than any other, any other team's going to pay you, so you can get your your money, and then we're probably going to trade you. I think he cares more about money than starting. Yeah, like most people. Yeah, so, Rick, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm not overly impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I I think he showed a little bit more. I mean, because when I first saw him, I said, "Oh my god," because <laughs> he, he was just abysmal at the start of the season. It was almost embarrassing. And to his credit. He got out of that funk and got dug himself out of that hole and came back and played some nice basketball for them. But his stats are just not that impressive. Um, and the one thing you and so I, to me, hey, if you can get fifteen million dollars in salary, you can go out and get somebody else. I mean, you know, you're saying get somebody else. Hey, if I can get rid of fifteen million dollars and he's not fitting in and he's not going to be a, a, an integral part, maybe I get somebody else that's going to be a better fit for me and use that fifteen million dollars. You can't do that though, Rick. That's the whole point. You can't know, do that. I like, know. So, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. You, yeah, that's the whole thing with the salary cap. They go ahead and screw around with all this stuff. It's not like you can do that. But. I, 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 anyway, I, and the other thing, the fact that you brought up something that I had not heard before that he's a little bit off and all, I mean, when you're not a part of it, that disrupts the chemistry of a team. It yeah. really truly does. That has to be taken into account far greater than somebody's skill and ability on the court. I, I, I having been through this myself, I know that's one of the reasons we won in 75 mm-hmm. because of that, of that bond that we had together. And I mean, because we didn't have the talent that other teams had overall depth wise. Yeah. But we had that cohesiveness that everybody cared and, and pulled for one another. And if you played two minutes or 20 minutes, you're going to put everything you had into it and you're going to cheer for your teammates. It was more like a college atmosphere right. than it was the professional atmosphere. But for Connor, just so you know, Connor Laterno from the Chronicle is joining us here on Warriors 24, along with Cyrus Satchis. Of course, I'm Rick Barry, but I've got to bring up something else that I have to ask about because you brought this up when you started mentioning names. And we talked a little bit about uh, how he's worked hard, Jordan Poole, to get himself back after playing so poorly and being bouncing back and forth to the, to the, to the G League team. But you didn't bring up a name of a guy that I think is a nice player whose stats are actually better than, uh, <clears throat> better, better than Jordan's, and, and, that's, and that's Damian Lee. Yeah. Thank you. I was about to bring that up too. Player. Yeah. What happened? I I was remiss to not mention him, but I would, I would, I would include Damian Lee in the category of guy like with Kim Bazemore or even Michael Mulder of like, it would be, you could have him back, but you don't have to have him back. Um, I would put, I would put Poole and Juan Descano Anderson in a a rung above where they have to be back. Um, And we're not, I'm not even taking. Why? Why? I'd like to know why. I'd like to know why you feel that way, Connor. Why do you feel him 
above Damian Lee because I mean I've watched them both and I don't know I think Damian Lee has a better feel for the game than Jordan Poole Damian Lee's also seven years older um but Damian Lee to me he's he's solid like he's solid but he's not elite at anything um he doesn't have like a signature skill whereas Jordan does uh Jordan Jordan's kind of a can be potentially in his best in his best self a go-to option off the bench whereas Damian Lee he's he's been inconsistent with his jump shot his defense has been up and down he's he's been what they've needed him to be I mean he's hit some clutch shots and things like that and like I said I think he he's probably in this team's plans next season and deservedly but he's not as high on the hierarchy to me as someone like Poole discount but he's not been given maybe he doesn't have the same mentality but every one of his stats in the three offensive categories you know two point field goals three point field goals and free throws are better than jordan Poole. well jordan Poole, you know struggled at the start of the season and then had his turning point at the g league bubble and if you look at his numbers after the g league bubble they were significantly better so i'm kind of judging him off of what he did and you're looking at a guy that can come in and get you 30 on a night where you don't think damian can do that right Pretty much. Yeah. And, and Damien, you know, he's a good value for his contract. I mean, he's making what, like 2 million right now that that's good. That's a good value. And, and would I feel comfortable playing him in a playoff situation as my like 10th guy or ninth guy? Yes. But I, I don't, I don't see him as like a top eight rotation guy on a contending team. That's fair. And, and do you see the upside in Jordan Poole? And, and Rick, I'm so glad you brought up Damian Lee because I wanted to ask, and this is a, a two-part question, Connor, and I know, I know we were supposed to only keep you for 20 minutes, so if you have to go, just oh, you're say fine. so. No, okay. Um, for, Dave, the Damian Lee thing was weird to me at the end of the season because he's, he's been listed out for like a month now because of health and safety protocols. We never got specifics. You've been the Warriors beat reporter for nearly five years now, so... You're as much of an insider as anyone. Why Why has there been such a mystery surrounding Damian Lee's health? Like, why did COVID, well, aff- did, like, what happened there? Well, he was pretty candid with us about what happened. Uh, he had one of those weird breakthrough cases where he actually had the vaccine and then still tested positive for COVID. Um, and apparently it was a really, really bad bout of it. Um, so he was, he could barely walk for a couple of weeks there. I didn't, I didn't read this anywhere. I, I, I'm yeah, just, no, he yeah. talked to media. You probably missed it cause he talked right before a game. So it kind of got buried, but, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And, uh, so basically he was just getting, getting back into shape and stuff. It, it, it was a legitimate thing for him being gone that long he was just starting to practice again when the season ended so when you say breakthrough like do, do you have the specifics like was this uh, so was he was, what's up rick sorry i was just curious because like these breakthrough oh, no, cases okay. are fascinating yeah it's fascinating to me like the like the yankees were in the news a couple weeks ago because you had like eight players and coaches test positive despite the fact that they were vaccinated it turns out seven of the eight were asymptomatic and, you know, the eighth had minor symptoms, but they were vaccinated with the Johnson and Johnson uh, vaccine. Um, I think he was Johnson and Johnson as well, because he was with the team and the team all got Johnson and Johnson. Um, That makes more sense. But he was, he was one of only like 6,000 breakthrough cases at the time when he got it. Um, And so it was really rare. And he had a lot of symptoms. Uh, He said that it felt like he was hit by a bus like he could barely move. Um, so he'll be okay. 
he'll be okay. You know, he'll have a full off season. He'll be fine by next season. His people forget his contract's actually non-guaranteed next season still. Um, yeah. I think he'll still, I think he'll be on the team partly because yeah, the Warriors really like him as a to, person. Let's get to something else. Just, hopefully he's going to be fine and do something. Yeah. And obviously he's not going to be an integral part of the team, but the last thing <laughs> we let you go, I, I can't go along. I have to be on another, do some other stuff. Here. Oh, sorry. We're good. Okay. No, that's okay. Is that, so your, your thoughts, because uh, and I'm not going to say anything about mine, your thoughts about how important James Wiseman is going to be to this team next year. That's the ultimate question, right? And <laughs> that's to me is the biggest question facing this team right now. Um, and I could do, I could talk about that for an entire podcast, but bottom line is obviously they were significantly better with him on, with him out. Uh, than when he was on the floor. I don't think it's a coincidence that they went on that big run to end the season right after he suffered a season-ending knee injury. You have to take context into account. We've talked, we've all heard a million times about the 69 minutes in college, the no summer league, the the big learning curve for any big man in the league. All those things are true. And I still believe that he's going to be a really good player in this league. But I personally have questions about his fit in the system and playing a long step that I'm not sure he's going to just suddenly develop develop those skills he's not a passing big this team has always been at its best when they have an offensive fulcrum in that center spot guys like David West Zaza Pachulia Andrew Bogut he's never been able to see the floor particularly well I question his overall feel for the game and I think he'll get a little bit better in that regard but I don't I don't I think certain things like that are a little bit of intangibles I don't think you just suddenly become a great passer I don't think you just suddenly develop a feel for the game and so I think he'll become a better player overall but I'm not sure he's going to suddenly be a great fit for what this team's trying to do. And the bottom line is if we learned anything this season, it's that they have to do everything in their power to maximize what's less what's left of Steph's prime. And that means not waiting another year. And James Wiseman is going to miss his entire off season recovering from this knee knee surgery. And Rick, you understand as well as anyone, all the work is done in the off season. So he's basically has his, his development, set back another year. Um, I don't, I think he's going to be on a minutes restriction when he does come back next season and he might not come back for another month or two into the season. So you're looking at him being at best, like a backup center to Kevon Looney playing 15 minutes a night, which is going to continue to wear on his self-confidence, which has been an issue for him. So I personally think they need to be open. I'm not saying they have to do it, but I think they need to be open to trading him. If, a deal comes about where they can get a true difference maker. Yeah. Jaron yes, Jackson Jr. is a name I've heard. Cyrus. Yeah, go ahead. Cyrus, just gets back to the conversation we had prior to him choosing him. And I just said, I don't think he's a guy. I, I personally didn't feel that he was the pick that they needed to take to maximize the years you have left with Steph and Clay. I, I said, I don't think you, a big guy takes time to learn. Hey, he's got nice footwork and stuff. But Connor, you said the one thing that I profess, and, and Cyrus has heard me say this ad infinitum. You, I can teach you to pass. I can't teach you to see. And you're exactly right. You can't learn to <laughs> get a feel for the game. It's the one thing that if I'm scouting when I look, that's the first thing I look for. Does that player have a natural feel for the game? If he doesn't, I'm going to draft a guy that does because I can teach him a lot of the other stuff. I can't teach him that feel for the game. And that's why Juan Descano Anderson has been an asset for this team because mm -hmm. even though he's not an elite scorer, he's not elite in a lot of ways, he plays really hard and he has a great feel for the game. And um, 
I don't think that Wiseman has that. And we, we hear all the time how hard he works, how much he studies film. That's all great. But to me, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys ever struggled in, in school or in a class, but it's like you're staying up all night studying for the test and you go out and you get a D on the test. It's like, it's so frustrating. He just doesn't have the tools. And uh, I still think he's going to be a good player in this league, but I think they would need to totally overhaul the offense to cater to him. And I don't think that they need to be doing that when you have Steph and Draymond. Yeah, yeah. I agree hundred percent with you there. That was not, that was not, I, I don't, I, I disagree with the choice. I mean, I said, yeah, he's, he's better than I thought he was. Cause I didn't see much of him. I mean, he's got the nice footwork. He's athletic as hell. He's got a little nice touch and all, but he doesn't have the intangibles. He doesn't have that little something extra that you need. And like you say, to have a big man who can pass, just look at what the Joker's doing. Yeah. I mean, look what Bill Walton did when he played, look at what Kareem did. The big man who could pass the basketball become such a valuable commodity for you. Wouldn't you rather have Tyrese Halliburton right now? <laughs> Or Lamelo. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I was Lamelo yeah, too. But even Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, because, yeah, because of the IQ and the feel for the game and all those things. And this team does need another, like a third guard. You know, like a true playmaking guard. And uh, Lamelo could have been that. Um, Tyrese Halliburton. Hall- Halliburton. Halliburton. Because yeah, he's just he's just wasting I mean, away. He went number one, but I would have rather had Anthony Edwards too. Yes. A, yes. And and, and, and and. and and Connor, I read recently that the, the the Timberwolves actually were trying to bait the Warriors into trading with them. I I saw that and I was like, well, if they weren't asking for much, why didn't the Warriors do that and take Anthony Edwards? Anthony Edwards, I thought would have been a perfect fit for this team, but that's for another day. Anyways, Connor, you could follow Connor Letourneau on Twitter at con underscore cron. Um, you got big things coming at the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, you you tweeted something about that. Uh, do you want to do you want to briefly mention what is coming for you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just gonna be a, expanding my scope a little bit beyond Warriors. I, what I'm really passionate about is long form. Uh, pieces, enterprise type pieces that get at the, the intersection of sports and society. I've had some opportunities to do that on the Warriors beat, but I'm going to be focusing more on that uh, this offseason. So I'll still be hitting the big notes on Warriors. You guys won't be lacking in any regard on that department, in that department, but I'll be um, kind of expanding my focus a little bit. Well, good luck to you on that. Wish you all the best. We certainly appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you, uh, chatting with you again. Enjoy your summer. All right. Thank you. And I, I, I feel like vindicated that a Hall of Famer agrees with me on my Wiseman takes. So. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's Thanks, awesome. Connor. We'll see. Thank you, you so much. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. So, Cyrus, anyway, so I, I I have to run. The playoffs are going on. We'll get back to something else and catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do another one soon. I think we covered a lot of bases there. No, it's going to – I mean, mean, certainly to see some of these teams taking some people lightly. I mean, like, you know, the Lakers losing to to Phoenix. I mean, you know, Denver losing the first game at home to to Portland. I mean, so that's the beauty of of the sport. But it still Uh goes back, and I'm going to get my one thing out. There's another one, you know, drive me crazy all the time. Yeah, please do. No, it's another one. It's – it's like mayhem out there. I mean, guys are getting knocked on the ground. Steph's driving in. He winds up picking himself up off the floor. He makes the basket. No foul. No whistles. What is the deal with these freaking officials that when the playoff comes, all of a sudden, they look at the game differently, and they don't enforce the rules of the game the way they do in the regular season. It's like the old playoff basketball, which means beat the hell out of each other. And if you did it out in the street, you'd get arrested. I mean, it's just – I hate it. because oh, you don't it, like it, huh? No, because <laughs> it gives an advantage to the less skilled player. It doesn't True. make 
any talent, any skill, any ability to play that way. The antithesis to that, Rick. Yeah, the antithesis to that, and I agree with you. I, you make a great point in, in terms of lesser talented players shining more in this system. But then you also have guys like James Harden who mill and and Trey Young's doing this now too, where they do these gimmicky little moves to get foul calls and go to the line way more than they should, and that doesn't happen as much in the playoffs. So I'll as just being a devil's advocate, I'll 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 give you that other side of it. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, the inconsistency of NBA officials is maddening. It drives me crazy. I'm with you. All righty. Well, listen, hey, everybody, <laughs> take care. Enjoy the playoffs for, for you know what they are. Um, a couple teams have their work cut out for them. A couple games coming up tonight as well. So, who's going to win uh, the series? Rick, between, and- Rick, before we go, uh, uh, two things. First of all, you can follow Rick on social media at Rick24Barry on all platforms. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Road Show. And you can follow the show on uh, social media platforms at Warriors24Pod. So who's going to win the Suns Lakers series, in your opinion? That, that to me is the most fascinating and intriguing. Well, I, I, if the Lakers don't win it, they should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, no, <laughs> seriously. I mean, plus now you got CP3 with a bad shoulder. I mean, come on. I mean, if they can't come back and win that series, they should be ashamed. Oh, I love it. Rick, always, always a pleasure, sir. Yourself. We'll see you the next time on Warriors 24. Cyrus, always a pleasure. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 